What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Relational Intelligence Podcast. I am so humbled by my little trip tribe, bro. Like, I am so humbled. You guys are amazing, okay? Now, like I said last episode, we're in February, so we're focusing more on romantic and dating relationships this month, but we're focusing on concepts that work for people with any any relationship status, okay? So today I want to talk about the concept of becoming a whole person, which is insanely complex, just like everything else we talk about, quite frankly. So bear with me, plug in, I'm gonna try to get in and out as fast as we possibly can. And one thing I want to reiterate to all of y'all, um, I'm learning right here with y'all, okay? Because I am I am continuously trying to improve. I'm continuously trying to be a better person. So trust and believe I am incredibly flawed. I never claim to be an expert. So child, I'm right here learning. Okay, so let's let's go ahead and learn this together. Now, this episode is going to speak to a common misconception uh, in the dating world. Okay, I've heard so many people over the years assume that a relationship is going to fix or heal or fulfill them. And that is absolutely crazy to me. And you already know, I'm going to tell you why. So relationships can absolutely add to or supplement our lives. But for an imperfect person to think that joining with another imperfect person is suddenly going to bring healing and cure their lack of contentment with their life doesn't actually make much logical sense when we really break it down. And I don't want to like come out the gate like this, but As an example, mixing one bad habit with another bad habit doesn't suddenly create a good habit. Taking one person with communication issues and connecting them with another person that has communication issues doesn't result in healthy communication. It just doesn't. So this mentality feeds off the notion that a good relationship is 50-50, which is completely false. When you enter into the relationship or into a relationship, the two of you become one particularly in marriage, but in the dating realm, you are one couple made up of two individuals. So there's still some degree of oneness and unity, though it's not to the extent of marriage. If the two individuals of the couple come in at 50%, then the couple functions at 50%, right? I used to like math, like that, that sounds like it makes sense to me. What we really need is to break the myth of 50-50 and realize it's really 100-100, okay? You're completely whole and they're completely whole. You're a complete person despite your relationship status, and so are they. Then when you come together as a couple, you're functioning at 100% rather than 50. And that gives you a far greater chance at having a successful relationship, you know, or at least a good experience in the relationship. Now, look, this does not mean perfection. It means self-awareness. It means openness. It means security in oneself. It means continual progress. It means a lot of things but it does not mean you're perfect and have it all together, okay? So what is a whole person? A whole person is a complete person. This is a person that is consistently cultivating several areas of their life, the emotional, intellectual, physical, social, spiritual, and professional aspects of their lives. And there are a few things I want you to consider As you go on this journey of becoming a whole person or determining your degree of wholeness. 
So I'll try to break down and separate these categories as best as I can, but keep in mind, they're all pretty interconnected. So there's going to be a lot of overlap. So I'm going to speak into each of the categories and start that with, with a question that we're posing. So let's start off with the category of our, our emotional lives. The question I'm posing here is, are you the expert of you? So it's your job to know yourself inside and out. We talked about this in the last episode, and I'm going to reiterate it here. You cannot consider yourself a whole person if you do not know yourself well. This means you know your values, your interests, your bad habits, the baggage you come with, your traumas, your relationships with others, your family, your thought processes, your triggers. Child, you got to be uniquely interested in knowing all the things about you. The way that uh, men commit to keeping up with every detail about their favorite football team. Yes, that is the same way you need to commit to learning yourself. And you're forever growing and changing. So this is an ongoing process, just as your relationships are a continual process of getting to know one another. The more you know, the more you can communicate who you are to a potential partner. Okay. So to help you with this process, you can reach out to the people that you've shared the most of yourself with and ask about their views, friends, family members, etc. I've reached out to my people randomly at different points in my life and asked things like, well, how would you describe me? What do you think I'm best at? What's your favorite thing about me? What about me do you struggle with the most? What do you think I need to work to improve? Okay. What these questions do is they help you see outside of your own view of self. There's two types of people. Well, let me not say there's two types of people. There's a spectrum. There are some people on one end of the spectrum that they see themselves in a very negative light. Their lens, whatever perspective they see themselves in, is harmful. It's damaging. They don't think they can accomplish much. They don't think they're capable of much. So they have this skewed view. And there are people on the complete opposite end of the spectrum that think ridiculously highly of themselves. They think they do no wrong. They think they are God's gift to the earth. They they think in a way that's full of ego and pride, okay? So what asking other people does is it helps you get multiple perspectives and then you can see the things that are, the commonalities between everyone's answers and your own view so that you can get a, a, a larger, more comprehensive picture of how you are, okay? All right, category two, we're going to talk about the intellectual category. So your intellectual lives. My question is, are you open and eager to learn? I want to encourage you to be a lifelong learner. If you're a lifelong learner and committed to the process of growing intellectually, you have a growth mindset. If you're not, you have a fixed mindset. Now go look at the differences because a fixed mindset will cause you to limit your life in ways that are unimaginable. To have a growth mindset, you have to embrace challenges. You have to value constructive criticism. You got to be willing to take risks. You're going to want to seek to understand or learn in every single circumstance or situation. You have to be willing to be resilient, have the difficult conversations, be present in the process, and don't just focus on the outcomes. So it takes a lot. Having a growth mindset takes effort. Having a growth mindset is not the easy, comfortable, safe route, but it is the route worth living. So I want you to think of it this way. Our physical bodies grow as we go from infancy to childhood to adolescence and, you know, later to adulthood. 
So yes, we feed our bodies to remain healthy, but quite naturally, we grow in size. What we eat, our nutrition definitely, definitely helps. So to give you a visual, imagine being a fully grown adult with the body of an infant. It seems ridiculous, right? Like he's 40 years old, but only 18 inches tall, said nobody ever, <laughs> okay? So what makes us think we should restrict our minds from growing? Again, imagine being a fully grown adult with an adult body, but the intellectual capacity of a child strictly as a result of one's mindset and lack of effort. Now, I'm not talking about intellectual disabilities here. I'm talking about mindset. I'm talking about the things that are within your control. That's what happens when we choose to remain fixed in our thinking, when we're unwilling to grow internally, which is something we must put conscious effort towards, you know, every single day. Unlike the natural growth of our physical bodies, we have to be a little more intentional here. Okay, category three, your physical self. Are you conscious of how you treat your body? Aside from our emotional and intellectual selves, we should have an interest in our physical self. Do you know your body? Do you care for it? Are you harsh towards it or kind? Do you abuse it? Do you love it? Now, I'm not saying we need to be in peak physical shape, have the perfect diet or have your sex drive down to a science, but you should have an awareness and a concern for your body because it's the only one you'll ever have. And it's what inhabits every other part of you. And I'm not just speaking about your outer body and asking if you make sure you're not ashy. But if you are, shameless plug, go to shoparome.com for the best skin moisturizers I know. Okay, back, to, back, back on track. What I'm talking about is, yes, your outer physical body is important, but also your organs, our hearts, our brains, our skin. They're all impacted by how we treat our bodies. When we're choosing to join with someone else and share our lives with them, our health is even more important than our appearance. Like, yes, appearances might be what cause us to gravitate towards one another. But when we choose to be with somebody, we want them to be healthy for the long haul. We, as a people, we spend so much more time focusing on cosmetics, clothing, haircuts, and simply looking the part than we do caring for the contents of our body. So take into consideration what you're putting in and putting on your body for the sake of your health. Now, I'm not going to lie. A friend of mine put me on to the Yuka app after a friend of hers put her on and child, I be scanning everything, okay? The purpose of the app is to give you information about foods and personal care products regarding their impact on your health. So they, they tell you if it's hazardous, if it has hazardous materials, if it has links and traces to cancer, you know, things like that, okay? I'm not gonna lie. I have tossed so much stuff after reading about these links to cancer and other harmful diseases. But, you know, like, is the app totally accurate? Who knows? Have I eliminated all the things that are bad for me? Absolutely not. The point is, I'm making a conscious effort to have awareness and make some changes, you know? And before, before I even got to this point where I started really focusing on what I put in me, I took some time to recognize what I put on me and how I speak of and treat my body. That skin moisturizing brand I mentioned earlier actually is known as Arome. It taught me the significance of taking the time to really love on my body. Putting on my little body butters became an intentional process. 
I wasn't rushing so I could get to the next thing on my to-do list. I would set aside real time to moisturize my body, recite affirmations, and embrace the woman I see looking back at me in the mirror, even if some days I didn't really want to. Even if some days I wasn't really happy with her. Even if some days I couldn't even stand looking at her. I learned to become the biggest fan of my temple. Now I see and feel the difference in how I view myself, both inside and out. So I can't urge and reiterate enough how important it is to care for your body. Okay, category four, the social component of your life. My question here is, how are your communication skills? Do you have the skills and the willingness to communicate clearly? You can literally ask the people in your life right now how they feel about your communication skills. I'd recommend not just asking, do you think I communicate well? And instead asking something along the lines of, how would you describe my communication skills? Because a yes and no, it's just not going to cut it now. It's not going to be enough. We need as much detail as they're able and willing to give. That's how you'll get a more comprehensive idea of how you're perceived by the people closest to you. Your communication skills involve your ability to express information and feelings, as well as your ability to receive information and feelings. Some people speak very well and listen very poorly. Others don't speak very well at all, but listen exceptionally. But there are different factors that impact our abilities to communicate. So a lot of times our communication is compromised by our traumas and our triggers, or like it's just a little bias based on things like our interests, our upbringing, our culture, our experiences, our education, our attention span, and honestly, a multitude of things. So we have to keep in mind that this communication thing, it's not always gonna be easy. It's not always gonna be natural. And we also have to remember that not all communication is verbal. Do you wear your emotions on your face? Do your actions and your words actually align? There are so many questions related to communication that you can ask yourself and simply seeking to understand this part of you can influence some improvements. Do you have empathy? Do you gravitate towards surface level conversations or deep intimate ones? And why is that? Are you just as invested in the conversation when it's about them as you are when it's about you? So go right ahead, my darling, do this little evaluation because it's going to help you. You can do this anytime. And I'm not going to lie, communication is a really big topic. So yeah, like we can't unpack it all here. So maybe like later on, we're going to dedicate a whole episode to this, but this is a start. Okay. Then we got category five. So category five is the spiritual component of your life. And my question here is, Do you have something you're grounded in? Okay. You should have something stable that you believe in. Now, oftentimes this is like someone's faith. uh, Sometimes someone's family belief system, customs and traditions or, or anything of that nature. So notice that I said it needs to be something stable. Being grounded in something like culture and society is not stable. Being grounded in your relationships is not stable, which means you'll be changing your mind all the time. There's no foundational truth you can hold on to that leads to healthy decision-making when your grounding is unstable. This is actually mentioned in the Bible as well. It's about like building a house. One, one man like would build his house on sand and another one would build his house on rock. But when the storms hit, 
the house that was built on sand, it crumbled. Like it, wind could, could knock that bad boy down. But the one that was built on rock, it had a stable foundation. That rock wasn't going to crumble. Therefore, it kept the house sturdy. So I'm encouraging you to make sure that whatever you're grounded in, whatever your belief system is, ensure that it's stable. Okay. Having something that you're grounded in is sort of like an anchor for a ship. Now, the purpose of the anchor is to keep the ship secure in the midst of a storm or any sort of adversity, really. So in our lives, we're not thinking about a physical rainstorm or anything like that. In our lives, we're thinking about when we're battling rejection, when we're um, struggling financially, when we're dealing with heartbreak or disease like this, this. These are the storms that we get hit by. So while an anchor for a ship keeps us stable in a, in a weather storm, our faith or our belief system is what keeps us stable in the midst of life's storms, okay? So when life gets hard, we're usually tempted to do things that are not good for us, whether that's give up, whether that's turning to drugs or something that's used to suppress our feelings, some gateway. We tend to do things that ultimately will hurt us because it'll allow us to escape from the storm in the moment. So I'm asking you, when life gets hard and when you're tempted to do things that are not good for you, what truths and beliefs do you cling to? So I'm not here to tell anyone what to believe in, but I pull examples often from my own life to help paint full pictures of what I try to communicate in these podcasts. If you've listened to other episodes, you've likely picked up that I love me some God, okay? Like I'm Christian and I'm anchored by biblical truths. Now, it wasn't always this way. <laughs> In fact, I've only been on this journey for like three and a half years. Prior to that, my beliefs kept changing. My self-view was determined by culture, society, and all sorts of things were very much unstable. I constantly compared myself to others. And quite frankly, it was just a mess, child, like a mess. Most of my life, I spent running from religion. I ran from the church and I ran from anybody in it because I did not trust them. Later, I started out myself. Okay, so I went on my own journey, quietly reading the Bible in the comfort of my own home, away from them people that I don't trust, watching sermons and talks by Christian business leaders, pastors, athletes, entertainers, authors, all of that. Then, as I learned more about what Christianity stood for, I decided it was right for me. It's a belief system that encourages me to love God, the creator of the universe, and love people just as I love myself. If it wasn't for this belief system, honestly, I'm not sure what would have helped me learn to start loving me. That was the, that was the missing piece for my life. And I didn't find that. I didn't find that self-love. I didn't find that that belief that I'm worthy, that I'm valuable, that I'm, that I'm necessary, that I'm significant until I found God. So I want you to evaluate your belief systems, okay? Are they stable? Are you content and at peace a majority of the time? Are you relying too much on people? Remember, we're all imperfect, so allowing your beliefs to lay in the hands of people is a sure way to become disappointed. <laughs> now, I read a lot. I love self-help books. So, sorry, I'm not, I don't read a lot of novels. <laughs> I've read like two or three in my whole entire adulthood, but I love self-help books. Uh, they're typically books that are all about 
personal development, like how to be a stronger leader, how to master your mind and things of that nature. And there's a consistent theme, sorry, (laughs) there's a consistent theme that I've seen in many of them where there's always some spiritual grounding. There's always some belief system that's stable and that's secure, okay? Something that's unchanging. And I think that's because life is so unpredictable that we need some things to believe in that remind us of who we are, even when we're getting kicked and we're getting beat up and when life is pushing us down, okay? All right, so the last category is the, your professional life, your professional self, okay? The question I have here is, do you have a sense of purpose? Now, look, I know the topic of finding purpose is a little scary or off-putting because, I mean, honestly, sometimes it feels a little impossible to know if you're going in the right direction or if all your work is even worth anything. If you're doing enough, it's just hard. So the definition of purpose that I saw when I, when I went on handy dandy Google is um, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Okay. Now for me, spiritual grounding in Christianity helped me discover purpose. So I find value in loving and serving others with my unique giftings and skills. Okay. I don't try to take on nobody. So comparison don't work no more. I don't look at someone else's skills and wish I could use that to impact the world. I look at myself in the mirror and I see what my giftings are, what my skills are and how those things can be used to then make the world a better place. Okay. As you take time to evaluate your purpose or develop it in the first place, whichever one, I want to encourage you to attempt to map out a purpose that will one, outlive you. And two, that's accessible to you at any time, meaning despite your relationship status, your job title, your bank account balance, or anything for that matter, you can move in purpose. Now, some people spend their lives chasing a bag, which of course, you can leave this behind when you die. You know what I mean? You can pass it on to other people, but eventually it's going to be spent. It's going to dwindle. It's going to be gone completely one day. Okay, but some people wrap their lives around chasing a bag, making some money. Some people like Dr. Martin Luther King, whoa, whoa, shout out for black history, ma, risk their lives advancing civil rights movements so that people that look like him could live better lives, more equitable lives. His name is still spoken of today because he's changed generations through his short life. Some people find purpose in parenthood or marriage where you have this, you have this potential and this capacity to build up and support your children or your spouse. Some people feel purpose to create, to be artistic, to develop music, novels, films, whatever, for the enjoyment of others and to build connections through creative storytelling. Like, I'm not here to tell anyone if their purpose is right or wrong. Honestly, I don't even think that's a thing. But again, I do want to encourage you to consider finding purpose that one, outlives you and two, is accessible to you at any time. You should be able to walk in purpose as a teenager, as a widow, as someone living paycheck to paycheck, as someone that's homeless, as someone that's barren. Like, honestly, your status should not determine your ability to walk in purpose. And the cool thing is, so many different things can be aligned with your purpose. Like, yeah, Dr. Martin Luther King, he was a civil rights advocate, but he was also a minister, a father, a husband, a friend, a speaker, and probably a gazillion other things that I just don't know of. 
Now, it's not necessarily easy to put your purpose in some cute, catchy phrase, like having a nice put together sentence or paragraph that describes your purpose in life is not what we're talking about here. What matters is that you have something you feel set to accomplish in this gift you have called life. Okay. So clearly, we talked about a lot today, child. My mouth dry, like, ooh. But let, let's, let's just do a little recap. So our wholeness, it requires you to be consciously aware of and continuously cultivating six major areas of your life, okay? The emotional side, so becoming the expert of yourself. The intellectual side, becoming a lifelong learner. The physical side, being conscious of how you treat your body. The social side, becoming an active and present communicator. The spiritual side, being grounded in a stable, consistent belief system. And your professional side, developing a sense of purpose. So you're going to have to do a lot of soul searching, okay? A lot of looking inward. You're going to have to answer a lot of questions, but I promise you it will be worth it. Like, we've got this. Do not strive for perfection. Do not place yourself at an impossible standard because the more you reach towards perfection, the more you will find yourself disappointed. But you can know yourself. You can know yourself extremely well. And when you know that person and you love that person, you will be eager to share yourself with the right person. There's something about being a complete or a whole person that helps you see potential partners better. It helps you sort of filter out the counterfeits from the ones that are right for you, if that makes sense. So the more you're settled in self, the more unwilling you'll be to settle or to compromise on your needs in a relational dynamic. There are people in this world that make their relationship their lives. And when that relationship is gone, they're so broken that they don't fully know how to function anymore in the workplace, in their friendships, within their families. They just, they feel almost empty. And that breaks my heart. But it breaks my heart because the person thought they were made whole by being a part of a relationship. And what I, what I really care to encourage here is for you to value you so much that you're a protector of you. That you want someone to connect with you that will love you in the ways that you will love yourself. Our self-view is what teaches other people how to treat us. I've seen relationships where, let's say a man is so frustrated by how clingy his wife is, by how she's never doing anything else but always wants to hang with him because she's made him her life. You know what I mean? Like she's made him her everything. So she does not have friends to hang with. She does not have ha- hobbies that she, that she spends time in. Again, that breaks my heart because those two people are not even on the same page. There's a, there's a book in the Bible, so Proverbs 31, that I really love because they, they call it like the Proverbs 31 woman. And it's a woman that's like, she is 
dope, like running businesses. She has dignity. She's, she has strength. She don't be worried or anxious or nervous about the future or nothing. Like she's just dope. Like everyone admires this woman, but she's also a wife, likely also a mom because she has all these areas of her life that she pours into well. And the plus side is though those are those areas of her life pour back into her well also. That's a whole person. What, what that book in the Bible uh, illustrates is a whole woman. So my encouragement here, y'all, it's worth it. Your homework is ask the questions. Have the difficult conversations with yourself. Have the difficult conversations with your people so that they can paint this picture of you. And if you don't have people, you know what would be really good? Tapping into something like therapy. Like we can get support. It's really important for you to have some, some form of community. Okay. This is what keeps us together. This is what keeps us whole. All right. I really want to thank you guys so much for sticking with me until the end. My little trip tribe, y'all be giving me life. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and maybe learn a thing or two that you can start applying to your life today. Today. Okay. Today. Let's not push it off any longer. (laughs) Let's do what we got to do to have these happy, healthy, and fulfilling relationships. Okay. I'll catch y'all next time.